Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Welcome to Are We There Yet? I'm Katie Gossett. And when babies enter the world, it's basically the start of independence. They're slowly but surely learning to do things for themselves. So as they get older, how do we let them go it alone without freaking out? This is a subject that I probably struggle with a little bit because I'm a bit of a worrier when it comes to safety. Initially that was quite unnerving for me because... You just never know what he's going to come across when he's wandering around the central city by himself. And when it comes to loosening off the reins on our children, most of us are pretty much just muddling through. Get a feel with their peers, like who's allowed out until what time. They get bigger boundaries all the time. And then if things go wrong, we sort of say to them, you know, you've lost this opportunity. When they say they're going to be at so-and-so's house and the parents will be there, do you become that mother who rings to check? Have you been that mother? Oh yeah, I've once or twice. But it is hard to accept the fact that our children are changing. So when is the right time and around what issues are we going to change with our kids? That's our clinical psychologist, Catherine Gallagher. That gets complicated. Whoever said this parenting gig wasn't complicated was probably lying. Most parents find it hard to let their kids spread their wings, and we're not the first generation to struggle with this. We'll be talking about parents and young people growing independent of one another. This is a segment from a 1977 doco called Now Listen to Me. My boys are married now, and I still can't let them go. I want them to be with me all the time. That's a plaintive cry, isn't it? I want them to be with me all the time. How do you feel about that, Des? Is it really like that, being a parent and seeing your children go? I think that's very much so, actually. You know, we've spent a lot of time together and we see them still as very young people. And we'd like to make sure that they can cope with life before they fly away from us. Now, there are some rules we can follow, some developmental norms based on how old is my child. But there are traps there too. For some kids, their developmental age, their emotional age, and for want of a better word, their street age, can also vary. So not all 15-year-olds are equal when it comes to the idea of looking after themselves or being able to make decisions around risk. So we do have to help them. But it's tricky for us too, because sometimes it's not just about how our child will handle the situation, it's about how we feel. We have to be honest here, parents. Although we might dress up a lot of this as what's good for the child, I'm doing that in inverted commas, we're often really in the mode of managing our own anxiety. And so it can really be helpful to reflect on what you might need to do for yourself to be able to actually build your confidence and reduce your anxiety around allowing your child more space to explore and make mistakes. I'm the parent that's scared of vans pulling up near my children. You know, child abductions... They're really good about it. They understand that I'm quite paranoid and (laughs) 
but it's something I've definitely had to work on as a parent. And of course it depends on how eager your child is to become independent. Some kids come into the world pushing boundaries and are always on to the next thing, whereas others can be far more cautious. As a rule, what we're looking at is what kids are generally capable of and giving them a bit of extra freedom around that. So kids need guidance around what's expected and a line being drawn that if they cross it they know what's going to happen. And clearly scaffolding is going to be needed as they build new skills to handle situations. And remember, you know, it's those repeated experiences, getting things right, getting things wrong, repairing. That's how we learn stuff and how we become more robust. At our end, that can feel pretty exhausting. And sometimes you just think to your children, why do you need to keep pushing this? But it's actually the way they're made, the way we're all made. We were designed to want to have the next thing and be frustrated because we can't quite get there and be supported through getting there. So if I'm wanting to dress myself and just can't get it right, if mum or dad are always stepping in and doing it for me to remove the frustration, then I never get to kind of push through the frustration and feel that feeling and then master a task. So kids are going to push it using whatever tools they've got, including this old classic. Everyone is doing it mum. You know, please, please, you can't be the only one who's going to let me stop doing this. You know, I need this freedom. Most parents are struggling with this stuff. Those that look like they aren't are probably just better at hiding it. It doesn't mean we need to give in to that. But we do need to give them some space to grow. Or as Catherine puts it, a gap. We need to actually step back to allow them to be able to step forward. And trial and error is required. The risk is if the gap is too big, so if we step back too far and the child doesn't have the skills to kind of deal with the space that's left, or if there's no gap at all. And our own experiences and anxieties are going to be big players here in terms of how much gap we're comfortable leaving for a child to grow into. It's an old recording from the London Tube and it reminds me of my own steps towards independence, heading off on the big OE. Depending, of course, what happens with COVID, New Zealanders may yet get back to that rite of passage. But before then, parents can expect some dramas and plenty of them. You know that teenagers make mistakes. It's part of life and it's, you know, having that open conversation with them and saying, you know, is this what you said you were going to do? Which brings us to rupture and repair. Well, I mean, the rupture and repair thing starts from day dot with with attachment. So a quick note here about rupture and repair. This is something Catherine's talked about a bit. And the rupture part of it makes it sound really serious. But it's actually kind of something most of us already do with our kids. A baby might cry and if we don't get the message right and we misinterpret it, then there's a mini rupture because the baby's going, but I'm still hungry and you're changing my nappy. You know, so there's those moments of going, you've got it wrong. And and the repair is that when the relationship is such, you can kind of repair that. You can see the baby's still distressed and work what it was that they needed. Or even if they didn't get what they needed, they got love and support to kind of get through that dissatisfaction. But it's when our children start to make up their own minds and do different things that rupture and repair really comes into its own. We're not always going to read the signals right. We have mistakes in relationships. And even words like mistakes or rupture sound negative. But we were actually developmentally created to make mistakes and to learn from them. The problem is, sometimes we're not sure how to get past the mistake. Often parents can react and just say, right, the trust is broken. 
but we don't actually signpost to the kids about how to get back from there. And this can be really confusing for both parties. Having conversations around this can be really important as then kids know that although there might be consequences for making mistakes, the unconditional support is there regardless of what they've done. And this is so important, especially around issues of safety. We want our kids to ring us if they feel unsafe, even if that might result in a telling off after they've got the hug. That's definitely been our experience with our two older girls. You know, they've both had periods when they've broken the trust. We've shown them we're really upset with it and it's actually provided a good platform to go forward on. The emotional turmoil that goes with having teenagers, it's hard. It's really hard. And then there's this. One of the points raised is the feeling on the part of young people that parents are out of touch with their attitudes and behaviour. No, you don't tell them much about what you do when you go out with boys and that because you feel they're sort of too old-fashioned, you know, because there's a lot of drinking and that going on sort of at young ages and that and you don't think they'd understand. It happened in the 70s and it happens today too. Children pull away because we've become old-fashioned, uncool. We use words like uncool. And our children want to experiment and show that they're different from us. So as a parent, it can be really challenging when our kids no longer rely on us as their sun, moon and stars and turn to peers or other experts for ideas on how to live life. Again, that's one of those gaps that we actually have to allow them to have. It just doesn't sit very comfortably. And again, the challenge is the harder we try to hold on and restrict information or tell them what to think, guess what an adolescent's going to do? They're going to individuate, they're going to pull away more. So often what we're having to do is breathe, have faith that our parenting that we've done, the relationship we've built to date is still there somewhere. This doesn't mean we stay in their faces, but it does mean that we allow the door to stay open so we can have dialogue around these issues. So you can still set rules, but you might find you need to be flexible and be prepared to negotiate. So, for example, if you don't want your kids drinking underage, that's actually really okay for you as a parent to go, no. But this is where I suppose negotiation comes in, where you might go, my preference is no, you're staying with me at home and being home by six o'clock. Your kid's preference might be, I want to be out there drinking and I want them to be with my friends and you should just trust me. That's where negotiation and compromise comes in, which is actually I can give you some freedom, which kind of is aligned with my values a little bit, but I also am out of my comfort zone as a parent to give you a bit more freedom than I'd like. So the child gets a little bit of what they want and that we get a little bit of what we want. And those are the kinds of things that can mean you're much more likely to get a successful outcome. That's the scary part, really, is it's once he's away from us, we just have to hope we've put in the groundwork enough that he makes sensible decisions. But that's the hard part of independence. It's really hard to let go. But remember, we don't need to let it all go at once. We're not going all or nothing. Individuation doesn't mean suddenly all hands off, but it's saying that there is a push and pull as the child tries to do that. And one of the biggest challenges for us parents is to manage our anxiety around that and go, okay, I actually have to give you a bit of freedom around what you think and feel because I can't control that. Maybe I can still control a little bit about, I don't know, internet access. But it's staying in relationships, staying in dialogue around those things with your young person. And that's how you can traverse this stuff and get to the other end of it. The other thing we need to get across to our kids is that you can have all the plans in the world, but the world doesn't always play along with that. Life's a bit unpredictable, and shit happens. Your child might be doing something that looks very, very sensible, and something bad might happen. So I think that part of this journeying is about going, we can't protect our kids from everything, but what we can do is minimise risk. And when 
dangerous or yucky things happen, how do we support our kids through that? The good news is that all this discussion with our children, and yes, even the conflict with our children, is actually good for them and us, and our relationship. Check out these amazing statistics that Catherine shared with me. From a secure attachment point of view, I've heard it estimated that literally 30% is about getting it right, 70% is the rupture and repair. Because what that models to your child is you don't have to get it right. And in fact, it's how do you deal with the feelings that come along with it? Because actually that's life. And coming back to that baby example... I remember myself in that exact moment. I used to think to myself, you know, what am I supposed to do that's supposed to calm the situation down? And the reality is I probably needed to back myself more and just be in it with my child. Often what we're trying to do is find the solution to take the hard feelings away. Whereas in actual fact, if I had my time all over again, not that I'm opting for that option, it would probably be to back myself and be with crying more and actually calm myself down in the presence of distress. Because that's often what we're having to do. Not fix it just be in its presence. It's true actually my older daughter certainly is able to look back and remember some situations from her youth and obviously it hasn't hasn't scarred, scarred her for life. She'll probably go to therapy when she's older. Oh, Don't you worry. I'll, I'll send her your award. Will you give us a discount there? Quid pro quo. My children are certainly going to be seeking it out. And those incidents where we look back and think well I got cranky with my child that's actually rupture and repair in action. In a relationship where, you know, there's love and connection, we're allowed to make mistakes too. And in fact, if we're modelling, oh God, actually, lost my call there. When I said to you that you're never allowed to go out ever again, probably overreacting, <laughs> you're grounded for a week. But that's what happens when you get really angry, you say stuff you don't mean. Now, for me, that learning experience is far more powerful than you haven't got it right in the first place. And that's it for this episode. This podcast is produced and presented by me, Katie Gossett, with assistance from Adam McCauley. It's engineered by Alex Harmer, and our executive producer is Tim Watkin. I'm grateful to Na Taonga Sound and Vision for the use of the archival audio. This is the last episode in this season, but you can find other episodes on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, really anywhere you get your podcasts. Or go to the podcast page at rnz.co.nz. And while you're there, you can also check out It Takes a Village, which has more parenting advice from our 9 to Noon programme. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. Or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.